Thank you, Father. Yes, you are our living, not dead, hope. You did die for us. Took away our sin, our shame, our guilt, but you didn't stay dead. We thank you for that, God. Yes, Father, we thank you. So this morning, we just want to stand here in your presence. We want to acknowledge you, acknowledge your presence, your power. You are called Emmanuel. God is with us. Thank you, Father. And we ask you to speak to us today through this message of hope. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Yes. You may be seated. And today I'm sharing on our Courage Series Part 4. And I love that picture. Whose idea was that? It's, I feel like it's personally being chosen for me. I reckon he's a hunter. He looks like a hunter, doesn't he? Look at him looking out over the valley, trying to work out where he's going to go. I have a dream to do uh, a, a crossing of the um, Alpine National Park in Victoria. I really want to do that with just a bow strapped over my shoulder, not take any food or water. Just see how it goes. <laughs> Courage or stupidity. Let's start by reading our key verse for today. Peter, would you be able to... Oh, no, Ollie, would you be able to chuck that one up there? And today we're looking at the courage of Isaiah. This is Isaiah 6, 1 to 13. It's the whole chapter, so... Strap in, here we go. It was the year King Uzziah died and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two they flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then they said, uh, then I said, sorry, this is now Isaiah. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. For I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs and he touched my lips with it and said see 
this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to the people, Keep on listening, but do not understand. Keep on looking, but do not comprehend. Make the heart of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their hearts, understand with their hearts and return and be healed. And I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty. The house is deserted and the whole country is a wasteland until the Lord has sent everyone away and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Even a tenth, a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as a terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it's cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Father, we pray that you help us to understand this verse and know what you're saying to us this morning. Thank you, Father. Um, courage solves the problem of fear. Courage solves the problem of fear. And fear's a big problem. Fear's a really big problem. It gets in the way of, of who you're meant to be. It gets in the way of relationships. It gets in the way of our calling. Fear is a big problem. It holds us back. Uh, it's been a big problem in my life and we all struggle with it. Our worries, our concerns, our doubts, our fears, the things that we, that we don't do that we should. But courage and fear are kind of, they have to go together, right? Because courage can't really exist outside of fear. It, it doesn't have a meaning. Courage only exists when there's something to fear. And every time there is fear in our lives, there's also an opportunity to have courage. Interesting, isn't it? And when we when we face courage or fear, there's a trade-off. There's always two sides of it. There's a risk of what could go wrong but there's a hope that what happens if I put it on the line and it goes well. I remember um, 
the first time I jumped off a jetty. I think I was about 12 years old and I was at a, a youth group day. I was going to Seton Christian Family Centre and we were at one of the beaches. I'm not sure if it was Grange or Glenelg or one of those places. And the, the guys were, you know, throwing balls around on the sand and someone said, let's go for a walk on the jetty. And a few of us kind of... Uh, went up there there was probably a dozen of the group that broke away and went up onto the jetty and once we got there we were kind of like you know just enjoying the view and looking down and seeing the fishermen and different things and then all of a sudden one of them got up on the railing and leapt off and I, and then and another one goes yeah I'm going to jump too next thing they jumped as well and then everyone looked to me. Like, are you going to jump? And like, it was pretty high. Like, I remember looking down and thinking, gee, this is terrifying. Like, is, who's jumped off a jetty? Can you remember the first time? It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, it's, you think, what's kind of going to happen and and in my head I, I had my father's voice like ringing around so loud saying to me Mark whatever you do never jump off a jetty <laughs> you'll break your neck you become a paraplegic people lose their lives every day every year from jumping off jetties into shallow water and if you do, always, if you're going to do it, always check the depth before you jump. Right? And so this is going round in my head, round in my head, like, don't jump off a jetty. You're going to die, right? But then I looked across at the girls' faces who were looking at the guys that jumped. <laughs> and I wanted them to look at me like that. Like I knew that there was... There was the risk, you know, there was the, the risk of death. But then there was also the payoff that if I jumped and survived, I would be in the cool group. And it opened up a whole heap of opportunities. Maybe a girlfriend. And, and also I looked at the way that they were looking at the guys that weren't saying they were going to jump. And I was thinking, that's the friend zone. It's like, a, it's not... And even the guys were, were like, I thought, and so I just did it. I was just, I got up there and I, and I, I thought about quick, my dad, shh, be quiet. And I just leapt <laughs> up and I survived. <laughs> There's always a payoff when we have courage, when we face our fear. There's, there's the stuff that could go wrong and then there's what could go right. And I didn't get a girlfriend still from that. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's the things that we leap into for a social standing, the things that we do for our benefit, the way that we want people to see us. But there's lots of other ways that we have courage. 
there's many people that have laid their lives down for their country because they were looking at that payoff. They were looking at, well, maybe if I go to war, I could die, but maybe I could contribute to, to a better world. Maybe if I lay my life down, I'm going to make this world a better place for my children, my grandchildren. Right? Maybe it's uh, facing um, a danger in the street, someone who is uh, attacking your family and, and you know that you could run or you could defend and you, you in a sense take that risk because of love. And of course we can't really go too far when exploring this subject without looking at Jesus Christ who we know in Hebrews 12 it says uh, for the joy set before him he endured the cross he, he had that that opportunity in the garden of Gethsemane right where he where he had to to weigh up am I going to flee or am I going to face the cross? And, and he thought you were worth it. He thought that you were worth the pain, the risk, to lay down his life, to be whipped and beaten, with the hope that we, you, would accept it, would accept his sacrifice on our behalf and become family become forgiven, become healed, become a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter. Jesus, he did that. He faced that and he had courage in the face of fear. We all have fears to face. We all have battles to win. And so here we find Isaiah. Isaiah. He is watching this scene unfold from Isaiah chapter 6 that we just read. He's in the throne room of God and he is terrified. He sees this God figure, angels, the mightiest. You can't put words on what God is like and he is so confronted with it that his response is, I am doomed. I'm doomed. And, um, but something happens in this scene where Isaiah goes from being someone watching God watching a story to becoming part of the story right it's like he's watching God do his thing there's something that happens where he goes from an outsider watching God do what God does to someone who becomes part of the story that is partnering with God. 
he becomes the the mouthpiece of God and man this is this is the thing this is what we're all here for some of us are still watching we're not sure if we're going to jump in some of us are in some of us and that's our desire is we don't want to just be watching God do cool stuff we want to be doing cool stuff with God we want to understand our calling and our purpose you know he's got a purpose for you he's got things for you to do he wants to partner with you he wants you to lead an exciting life where stories and books are told, where it's written down in heaven. What do you think of that? That's amazing. So what happens? How does he get from being outside to inside? How does he get from watching to being part of the story well the first thing he says is this Isaiah 6 verse 5 I think we're going to get it up there Ollie if you can find it I've got two versions Uh, one version says uh, then Isaiah said I said it's all over I'm doomed I'm a sinful man I have filthy lips I live in a among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies. And another version says it like this. I'm as good as dead. Every word, every word I've ever spoken is tainted. Blasphemous even. And the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. And here I've looked God in the face, the King God of the angel army. So the first thing that Isaiah does, and I think this is key, is that he admits that he's a mess. He admits that he has faults. He admits that he is broken. He admits that he, in the face of God, is nothing. And that takes courage. It takes huge courage to admit that, to just shout it out, you know, because there's a risk in that. There's a risk that, that maybe... God didn't notice that he was a mess and he just got God's attention. You know, I was, I, I love the movie, um, The Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And there's this guy, Greg, and he's having a discussion with his brother. His brother's kind of coaching him. Now, his brother's kind of like a bad dude like he's not evil but he's just cheeky and he doesn't really coach Greg in the way that he should and you see they had uh, their parents went away who's watched the diary of the wimpy kid movie it's actually hilarious it's so funny 
And the parents went away and said, whatever you do, don't have a party. Right? And so what did they do? They had a party, all right? But they managed to clean it up like perfectly except for one thing. Do you know what they couldn't fix? Is anyone... The toilet door. <laughs> Jake knows, you know, right? Because <laughs> they, 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 they kind of tried their best, but the, I think it got broken and they replaced it with another door, but the other door didn't have a lock, right? <laughs> and so the dad gets home for, and they, they knew nothing that the kids had had this wild party. And he goes to the toilet, he goes to lock the door, and he's, he's like, I'm sure this door had a lock. And they're all like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Never had a lock. Like, what are you talking about? You're going crazy, right? <laughs> anyway, so, so when Roderick, the brother, is coaching Greg, he says this is the best words to live by. No matter what, deny, deny, deny. Right? You know, you know how he says that? Like, never admit it. Never admit it. Even if, even if you think they know that you're sprung, don't admit a thing. Right? Who's, who's denied something that, you know, to get out of trouble? It's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't me. No, no, oh, no, maybe, you know, this is, I did that a few, when I was a kid, I, Dad gave me this uh, air rifle. I had, a, I had an air rifle on it and I was shooting around the backyard and he said, okay, you can shoot the air rifle so long as you don't shoot the honey eaters. But I couldn't help it because all the other birds were too smart and honey eaters are dumb. So I shot all these honey eaters and I put them under this big uh, concrete um, like slab so that Dad couldn't find it. Anyway, he, the dog dug them up and... Um, <laughs> Dad come to me um, you know, in the lounge room and he's like, you haven't been shooting honey eaters, have you? And I was like, um, oh, that's weird. Um, my sister had the gun the other day. <laughs> Dad was pretty smart. He's, he's like, that's not what I asked. You know, did you shoot the honey eaters? Anyway, eventually I was like, how did you find them? I put them under a big concrete... Thing, and Dad's like, the dog dug him up. Ah! And I got banned from the air rifle. But, you know, that's what we attempted to do. Deny, deny, deny. And Isaiah didn't deny. It's a risk. There's a risk in that. Because maybe he would have got away with it. But with people, yeah. But with God, No. He sees everything. He sees uh, the putrid things in our heart. Every thought, every jealousy, every selfish act. Isaiah did the right thing. He said, yep, I am broken. I'm dirty. I'm filthy. I'm unclean. But what happens? What happens? The angel takes the coal from not just anywhere, not just any fire, but the altar. Right Now, the interesting thing about an altar is we know what an altar is used for, right? A sacrifice. 
See, this altar represented Jesus. Now, we understand here and now as Christians that Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross for our sins, but it doesn't just work forward, it's retrospectively because God exists outside of time, right? And so Jesus died once for all. And so even though Isaiah happened hundreds of years before Jesus, this coal was Christ in the future. He takes the coal, the angel takes the coal and it he places it on his lips, but instead of burning him to oblivion, it purifies him. Because that's what Christ does. When we accept Christ, when we let him near us to our heart, to our, in a sense, our spirit, we're purified. We're made whole. It's scary, right? Because you've got to admit that, you've got to be vulnerable. But when we do that, there's this purification. And Isaiah goes from, from someone who is outside to, to now a part of God. It's beautiful. Who's experienced that? It's the best thing you can possibly experience. Is being vulnerable to, to God and instead of being burnt up, we're made whole. It's amazing. So it takes courage. It takes courage. So my first point is it takes courage to admit our faults, but it's the thing that we have to do if we want to if we want to go from outside of God, if we want to step into what he has for us, that's our first step. And then, of course, what what happens? Uh, God then says I don't know how God sounds, but I think it's probably a deep voice. Who will go for me? Josh has got a nice voice. I can't speak very deeply. Who will go? Who can I send? How much courage would it have taken for Isaiah to say, here I am, send me? Man, but he does it. And you know what? There's people here that have done the same. I remember doing it at a youth camp where um, there was a call to go down the front. And I said in my heart of hearts to God, God, if you ask me to do something, I'll do it. If you call me, I'll go. Many of you here have done that. Some of you are hearing the call even now. Would you go? If you felt God say, who can I send? Who's going to be a mouthpiece to people? Who's going to speak on behalf of me to this community? Who would say, yeah, send me. I will go. I believe God is calling people this morning. So it takes courage to say, send me. It takes courage to say, yes, God, I will speak in front of people or to people on behalf of you. Because there's a risk. I remember when I was in year eight 
And um, I was uh, my first year. Who's in year eight here? There's a couple of you, a couple of year eights. And year eight is terrifying, right? Because you go from primary school to high school. You don't know anyone. And I remember going to music class. And I walk into music class. The teacher says, I sit down and he says, okay, next week, project number one is each and every one of you have to do a performance in front of the class. Right? A musical performance. He's like, I want to see the level that you're at, so you have to just perform something. You've got a week to prepare. Next week, you better have something prepared because if you don't, I'm going to make you stand up there and look stupid. So you may as well. So thanks for that, Mr. Crook. <laughs> and so um, I went home and I and I didn't know what to what to do because I, I wasn't really a, a musician. And so I talked to Mum and she convinced me, Mark, you've got a great voice. She convinced me to sing. Went through some uh, musical books and the, the, the only song we could find that I knew was... Now, this is... I don't know how. <sighs> she convinced me. This is, like, just bear in mind, year eight, male, slight moustache, really cared what the class thought. She... Inc- <sighs> She encouraged me to sing um, the In the Jungle song with the Wim Away, Wim Away. And um, not just, um, not to just sing it to the class, but she said, no, what, you've got to get the class like involved. You've got to make them kind of do the Wim Away, Wim Away, Wim Away, that thing, you know. And then she's like, and then sing over the top, right? And so, and so this is, you know, so I'm, I'm there. I watched the first guy get up, get down, next one, right? It's like all of them just played smoke in the water, one line got down. And then, Mark, can you please come up and do your piece? And I'm like, okay, class. So let's just, this is, this is how it went, okay? So you guys have to be the class, okay, for, for now. Where's my wife? Can you just come and help me for a second? Yeah, yeah, come and help, because I don't know how to do the, I've forgotten how to do it. Just, yeah, just come up here quickly. Because she's a good singer. We're in this together. <laughs> I wish I had you in year eight. So now, <laughs> so I want to go like in the jungle about that thing. So how would you do the whim away bit? Oh, I can't do it. But they all have to do it. We just have to get them started. 
whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away. Does that sound right? A whim away, a whim. Yeah, that's good. All right, all right, all right. All right. So let's do it. Uh, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away. Yep, keep going. And then I was year eight coming up. The jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps. And then I did the. I among my. Thank you. Now, your reaction was way better than the year eight class. <laughs> they hated me. And um, I should have just gone, uh, 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 and then got off. Um, when the teacher asked for my name, uh, I said, uh, Mark, he said, how do you spell Betcher? I said, B E double T C H E R, and the whole front row, row of girls went B E double T C H E R. And I was like, oh. And then they did that for the rest of the year. But it's a risk, right? If we stand up and deliver anything in front of people, there's a risk that it could go well, but there's a risk that people will hate you. There's a big risk for that. It takes courage to say, send me. And it takes um, courage to go. I did exactly what the teacher wanted me to do. I did exactly what he wanted. But the class still hated me. Right? And to close, I want to talk about this idea of things happening that we don't expect, right? Because I'm sure I'm not the only one who's prayed, who's gone down the front in youth camp, who's felt God's Spirit call me to do something. And when I've stepped out, it didn't happen how I thought it should. I prayed for people and they didn't get healed. I witnessed my my butt off and people didn't care. In fact, they thought I was an idiot. And this is devastating if we have the wrong idea, you know, because it caused me to doubt everything. Because I thought that if I was called and if I heard God and when I spoke, that then everything would turn out right, but it didn't. And I just want to challenge that thinking. Because here in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, the end doesn't go quite as well as you think it might. In fact, he says, uh, the people aren't going to listen. But I'm still doing something. They're not going to hear, but I'm still doing something. I'm preparing a holy seed that's going to count in the long run. I'm doing something. You have to speak and you leave the rest up to me, right, Isaiah? That's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to step out and to not, for things to not go how you thought it should.
And as I was preparing this message, I felt that there's people here that are going to step out for the first time, that they're going to receive Christ, that they're going to understand that they have a purpose and are going to, and are going to step out and that God's doing something in people's hearts. But I also felt that there's people here that have stepped out but they've been terribly discouraged. So much so that they've thought, they've doubted their calling. That they thought because people didn't get healed, because they didn't get saved, they've believed that they imagined the whole thing. They believed that they weren't called. That they weren't really in God's story. I believe that the devils got in there and, and so on as a lie. And this morning I want to just, I just want to pull that off. And I just want to encourage you to go again. To speak again. To pray again to, for someone's healing. To believe again. And to not be discouraged. Because God is always doing something when we go in faith. I just want to encourage you to share your testimony again. To invite someone to church again. To pray for someone to be healed again. And you just leave that up to God. You just leave that up to God. Don't worry so much about whether they receive it or whether they don't. We just have to do what Isaiah did and say, send me. Would you like to stand? Firstly, I want to pray for people here who have never partnered with God. The gospel is really quite simple. We are a mess. We are broken. And just like in that story, we need that coal to purify us. We need Jesus. So I just want to pray for those of us here who feel dirty, unclean, purposeless, lost, broken, and you haven't had that experience of being purified. Would everyone close their eyes? Because I'm just going to ask if there's people here that want to receive that this morning that they would just raise their hands. And even now, as you do that in faith, God is purifying you. If there's anyone here that wants to receive Christ, receive that clean feeling, that spirit, that freshness, that new beginning, that hope, that purpose, would you just raise your hand right now and I want to pray. 
Father, I pray for those people here that are stepping out in faith for the first time. Father, purify them. Help them to understand that all they have to do is admit their admit their problems, admit their issues, and your purification comes instantly to heal, set free, transform. That they're in, not out. That they're brothers, not strangers. That they're sisters, they're friends. Thank you, Father, for your miracle-working power. Father, now I want to pray for all those here who are going are gonna to step out in courage to let God do things His way. Those that have been discouraged and, and, have, and have been dismayed or hurt because they've stepped out and it, and it didn't work out so well. They've, they experienced rejection or, or things happened that, that weren't what they thought. Father, I just pray right now that you'd lift off every person a spirit of discouragement and place on them the hope that it mattered. That partnering with God mattered, that we're in, we're doing what he opened their eyes, God, to show them that you saw it. It's recorded, it mattered, and that they can leave and trust you to the rest of that story. Father, I pray that you'd fill people up now with a burden to share their testimony, a burden for the broken and the lost, which don't have a clue about about the, the, the hope and grace and forgiveness in Christ. Father, I pray that you would lay on us as a church the spirit of Isaiah, that we would go out. Father, I understand that there are a few pastors here, but the bulk of us here are not pastors. We, are, we have a calling and ascending to be where they are, in their families, in their communities, in their workplaces. No matter what they're doing, God, that their purpose is out there to share with those people what they're doing. And that is not a lesser calling than a pastor. In fact, it is a very important, powerful, and what they are meant for. So, Father, I pray that you'd open up their eyes even now to see the people that you are calling them to share with, that you're calling them to pray for, that you're calling them to minister to, that you're calling them to invite to church, Father, that need to hear the hope that is in Christ. Father, give them the words. Pray that in Jesus' mighty name.